The Bible Study Podcast, episode 569. Today, the Bible Study Podcast continues the study of the kings of Israel and Judah with 2 Kings chapter 5. Welcome to the Bible Study Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Christensen. Again, this week we are studying the book of Kings, but we're not studying Kings. We're studying a prophet. Again, we have one more story about the prophet Elisha. Naaman healed of leprosy. Now, Naaman was commander of the army of King Aram. He was a great man in the sight of his master and highly regarded because through him the Lord had given victory to Aram. He was a valiant soldier, but he had leprosy. Now, bands of raiders from Aram had gotten out and taken captive a young girl from Israel, and she served Naaman's wife. She said to her mistress, If only my master would see the prophet who is in Samaria, he would cure him of leprosy. Naaman went to his master and told him what the girl from Israel had said. By all means, go, the king of Aram replied. I will send a letter to the king of Israel. So Naaman left, taking with him ten talents of silver, six thousand shekels of gold, and ten sets of clothing. The letter he took to the king read, With this letter I am sending my servant Naaman to you, so that you may cure him of leprosy. As soon as the king of Israel read the letter, he tore his robes and said, Am I God? Can I kill and bring back to life? Why does this fellow send someone to me to be cured of his leprosy? See how he is trying to pick a quarrel with me. When Elisha, the man of God, heard the king of Israel had torn his robes, he sent him this message, Why have you torn your robes? Have the man come to me, and he will know that there is a prophet in Israel. So Naaman went with his horses and chariots and stopped at the door of Elisha's house. Elisha had sent a messenger to say to him, Go wash yourself seven times in the Jordan, and your flesh will be restored, and you will be cleansed. But Naaman went away angry and said, I thought that he would surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God, wave his hand over the spot and cure me of my leprosy. Are not Abana and Farpar, the rivers of Damascus, better than all the waters of Israel? Couldn't I wash in them and be cleansed? So he turned and went off in a rage. So we have this story, and it will continue here, but I want to pause here for a second and talk about where we are. We have this man who is a great general in the for the king of Aram, and he's out there in Damascus, what is now Syria, and he hears this news from this servant girl, and this young captive who's become a servant to his wife, who says, oh, if only you would go to Samaria, to the Israel, to the northern kingdom, and the prophet there would be able to heal you. And so she knows what's going on. She knows that there's a prophet in Samaria and that he has the power of God. And so he goes to the king and he says, hey, the servant says I should go to Israel and be cured. He says, no problem. Let me write a letter to you to the king. He brings gold. He brings silver. He brings 10 sets of clothing. We have to remember that most people had one, maybe two suits of clothing, and clothing was something you handed down to people, so it was quite valuable. And they go and they have this letter that they bring to the king of Israel and says, please cure this man of leprosy. Well, you can imagine as the king of Israel 
you are a little frustrated with this because you don't know how to cure anybody of leprosy. You don't have that power. And so he tears his robe. He's thinking this is all a trap. Now they're going to say, why didn't you cure him of leprosy? We heard you could. Well, they didn't actually hear that he could. They heard that there's a prophet. And, you know, they may have assumed that that prophet had something to do with the kings. But as we have seen in this study, the prophets of the kings don't often get along, especially up here in Israel, up here in Samaria. And so Elisha, though, hears that the king is upset and he sends something. He says, well, won't just send the guy to me? Send the guy to me and we'll show him that there's a prophet in Israel. And so Naaman comes with his horses and his chariots and his gold and his silver and, and his ten changes of clothes and he goes to Elisha's house and basically Elisha doesn't go to see him. Elisha just says, go wash yourself seven times and your flesh will be restored. And he is pissed. He is pissed in part because he is not used to being treated this way. He is someone important. And this is not the way you treat important people, at least in his mind. Elisha should have come out and called on God. Elisha should have done this. Elisha should have done that. He's angry, and he goes away angry. Because he says, aren't there better rivers where we come from? Why couldn't I wash in them and be cleansed? Well, because God didn't tell you to do that, God, through the prophet, told you to go wash in the Jordan River. So the story continues. Naaman's servants went to him and said, My father, if the prophet had told you to do some great thing, would you not have done it? How much more then when he tells you, Wash and be cleansed? So he went down and dipped himself in the Jordan seven times, as the man of God had told him, and his flesh was restored and became clean like that of a young boy. Then Naaman and all his attendants went back to the man of God. He stood before him and said, Now I know that there is no God in all the world except in Israel, so please accept a gift from your servant. The prophet answered, As surely as the Lord lives, whom I serve, I will not accept a thing. And even though Naaman urged him, he refused. If you will not, said Naaman, please let me, your servant, be given as much earth as a pair of mules can carry, for your servant will never again make burnt offerings and sacrifices to any other god but the Lord. But may the Lord forgive your servant for this one thing. When my master enters the temple of Rimon to bow down, and he is leaning on my arm, and I have to bow there also, when I bow down in the temple of Rimon, may the Lord forgive your servant for this. Go in peace, Elisha said to him. And so we get this middle section here where his servants basically intercede on his behalf. And I say on his behalf, it sounds like they're speaking on the behalf of Elisha, but really it's to his benefit to listen to what Elisha said. He says, you know, if they had proposed that to be cured of leprosy, you're going to have to kill 10 people, or you're going to have to go scale this mountain, or you're going to have to do something big, some grand thing, you would have done it. He just asked you to go wash. It's just something simple to do. How much more so when he proposes that you do something that's simple, why don't you just go do that? And he listens to them, and he goes and he washes. And I like the fact that his skin is not just restored. His skin is restored like that of a young boy. God is showing off a bit here. And he goes back to the prophet and says, now I know not just that you're a prophet, but now I know there's one true God. And I won't worship any other God anymore. 
although I do need to let you know that my master, the king, does worship, you know, false gods, and I do need to go into the temple with him. That is my job, and I hope that God will forgive me for that. And, you know, Elisha says, go in peace. But, but basically, Naaman is a changed person because he allowed himself to be humbled, because he did this simple thing. And it's really funny that he had this sort of angry reaction in the first place, but you could see why he might. We, we act that way, don't we, sometimes, when we don't think we've been treated fairly, when we don't think we've been treated as we deserve to be treated, even though in this case he was given something very simple to do. But he got in his own way. He got full of himself, and it nearly left him a leper because he wasn't going to listen. Continues, we're not quite done with this story. After Naaman had traveled some distance, Gehazi, the servant of Elisha, the man of God, said to himself, my master was too easy on Naaman, this Aramean, by not accepting from him what he brought. As surely as the Lord lives, I will run after him and get something from him. So Gehazi hurried after Naaman. When Naaman saw him running toward him, he got down from his chariot to meet him. Is everything all right, he asked. Everything is all right, Gehazi answered. My master sent me to say, two young men from the company of prophets have just come to me from the hill country of Ephraim. Please give them a talent of silver and two sets of clothing. By all means, take two talents, says Naaman. He urged Gehazi to accept them and then tied up the two talents of silver in two bags with two sets of clothing. He gave them to the two of his servants, and they carried them ahead of Gehazi. When Gehazi came to the hill, he took the things from the servants and put them away in the house. He sent the men away, and they left. When he went in and stood before his master, Elijah asked him, Where have you been, Gehazi? Your servant didn't go anywhere, Gehazi answered. But Elisha said to him, Was not my spirit with you when the man got down from his chariot to meet you? Is this the time to take money and or to accept clothes or olive groves or vineyards or flocks and herds or male and female slaves? Naaman's leprosy will cling to you and to your descendants forever. Then Gehazi went from Elisha's presence and his skin was leprous. It had become as white as snow. So Gehazi, who we saw behave shrewdly recently in the last chapter where he detected what was going on with this woman who didn't have kids and he saw that problem, is not behaving shrewdly here. Now, it's not that Elisha couldn't have taken those things, but Elisha knew that he shouldn't be doing these things for those reasons, this isn't what he was given to do. He was given this ability. He was given these connection to God. He can heal people because God wants him to, and he wants to heal who God wants him to heal. And you notice how he says, you know, is this the right time to take clothes or silver or sheep or flocks? Or he starts thinking of all the things they could have demanded, right? They could have demanded olive groves and vineyards and flocks and herds and male and female slaves. They could have demanded all sorts of things for this power. I think of the story in Acts where someone sees Peter and John laying hands on people and them getting the Holy Spirit, and he says, how much will it cost for me to get that gift? 
and they say, may your gold die with you. Basically, they, they curse him because that's not what it's about. That's not what you do with this. That's not what God intended. And when we talk about, you know, how much Gehazi is taking, two talents of silver, a talent is enough silver to pay your wages for a year. So it's rather a lot of money. And then the two sets of clothing and the two bags. And instead of that, he ends up with, well, or maybe in addition to that, he ends up with leprosy. He ends up getting the very thing that Naaman, when he finally humbles himself, gets rid of. I don't know for sure that we will get leprosy if we do something like this, or I don't even know exactly what is something like this. But I think the two things we need to come out of this are, one is that if we get full of ourselves, as Naaman did, we can get in our own way. We can get in the way of God's healing of us. And the other thing with Gehazi is, God's priorities are not our priorities, and making money is not always the most important thing. And with that, we're going to end this episode of the Bible Study Podcast. If you have any questions, send an email to host at thebiblestudypodcast.com, or better yet, leave a comment on this episode at thebiblestudypodcast.com. And thanks so much for listening. Hey there, it's Carly Mercoulier, host of Therapy and Theology, a weekly podcast that explores popular topics and questions related to faith, feelings, and spiritual formation. Subscribe at lifeaudio.com.